0: Hello, and welcome to Omen to That, a chip-free podcast series where I talk to a selection of hand-picked guests on a range of topics centred in and around the world of comics and the creative arts. Before I begin, I just want to say another huge thanks to all those who've supported our latest Kickstarter campaign for the Galaxy Grapping Alliance issue 2. And as we record this episode, we still have around two weeks to go, so we'd just like to say thank you to everyone that's supported us so far. And speaking of Kickstarter, on today's show we'll be looking at the subject of money, that necessary evil that we all need to bring our creative dreams to life. And over the next hour or so, I'll be joined by two highly respected creators who are no strangers to running successful campaigns. We'll be discussing the ups and downs and dig a little deeper into what's involved in setting and with luck hitting those elusive targets. So get your calculators out as we add up the pros and the possible cons associated with the art of funding. And once again, I'm lucky enough to be joined by two fantastic guests, both with vast experience of funding their creative projects. My first guest is the brains and driving force behind the highly respected Time Bomb Comics, who are well known for titles such as Scares, Defiant, the brilliant brawler anthology and the highly regarded flintlock series it's the always colorful steve tanner good evening <laughs> good evening steve how are you i'm all right i'm all right good and also joining us today is another highly respected creator and the founder of the little heroes charity a uk-based charity that produces comics such as the wonderful all ages the spark Raising money to provide comic-making kits to children in hospitals and other healthcare organisations, and I'm very pleased to welcome Aaron Rackley. Hello, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there.
1: You're all right?
0: So, um, yeah, not too bad. It's a bit grey here today in the in the north. I don't know what it's like where you uh, we've are. We've got
2: grey as well down in Kent. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: it's very very Birmingham. <laughs> well, it is July. I mean, we can't be expecting the sun, can we? That's been, that a bit earlier in the year. just like to thank you both for, for being on the show and giving up your time.
2: No, um, thanks for having us.
0: And as a way of an introduction, would you like to, I mean, I've spoken a little bit about what you both do, but would you like to give listeners a little bit more information about
1: yourselves? So we'll start with you, Steve, if that's all right. Well, thanks. I mean, you covered pretty much um, most of the things in, in the intro, which to terrific, fix. So, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm no- time bomb comics is probably what, what I'm, I'm known for. Um, so, um, time bomb it, it's been going now for um, since well since 2007, and it publishes um, a wide range of, of creators' work. So It started off as, as you know these things do as a vehicle for just my own work, but it's kind of branched out, uh, and now it publishes. Um, work of other you know of other writers and artists yeah. um and then i said you know, the, the book I, I mainly write for time bomb is, is the flintlock series which is all set in the 18th century um, but uh, the other stuff i do with time Bomb, we kind of links in to my kind of obsession with the 18th century so i do dick turpin that kind of stuff a, a bit of steampunk um and then I, i'm probably known as well for wearing colorful jackets at conventions which is sadly in the wardrobe at the moment because there's no conventions this
0: year. There is, there is, and I'm sure anybody listening to this who is a regular of the convention scene will be familiar with with yourself, Steve, and your your wonderful wardrobe. Um, can certainly spot you when you're there, mate. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a shame. I and mean, when we did a we did a show on conventions last week, and and it's it's quite sad because we've been the the thick of it by now, wouldn't we, to be honest? So yeah. But um, I'm sure you know, given time, that we'll we'll get back there it may be a little different but i'm sure we'll we'll get back there (laughs) so uh aaron do you want to tell us a little bit about little heroes and the the other stuff that you do
2: yeah no sure no problem um little heroes was a charity i started back in all 2017 i'm going to say and its main mission is to provide comic making kits to children in hospitals across the country um and we've been doing that for three years now and it's going really really well um but off the back of that, as part of fundraising and a way for the charity to get noticed is that we started Fair Spot Books, which next month is two years old. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. And um, yeah, we publish and produce all ages comics that ideally would be suited to go into uh, boxes of books that we send along with the kits. Um, And recently that has moved into The Spark, which is our new uh, quarterly magazine currently. Um, Yeah, so a bit of everything. um, But the last three years have been very fast, very quick. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And a considerable amount of um, funding required for both of you over the years that you've been doing the work that you do as well. So obviously that's the purpose of the show today is to just discuss... How do you go about planning what funding you may need and, and things like that? So don't expect you to give any trade secrets <laughs> away, guys. It's OK. It's safe with us. I wish but I it's had some. Give, yeah. <laughs> it's just to give people that, that inside view, because um, as with lots of the shows I'm trying to do, I'm trying to pick subjects where people think it's deceptively easy to mm. do these things. And I'm just trying to shed a little light with with the people that know how to do it well. Uh, just to open some eyes and let people understand what really goes on. So with that in mind, then, um, Aaron, can you can you remember what your first funding project was and, and why did you do it?
2: Yeah, I can actually. Um, So the first one wasn't comics. The first one I did was comic-making kits. So obviously when I wanted to, before the charity was even formed, I done my first Kickstarter on attempting to raise £1,000 in order to... I don't. Was it on Kickstarter? Or was it on the um, crowd? Some crowd. I think it was on some crowdfunding website back then. Um, but that was to raise one thousand pounds to in, in order to send out a hundred kits. Um, and then that's when that grew. But the first comic one I done was actually for Little Heroes Anthology Number One. So, which is obviously a collection of short stories that a load of creators in the industry which i know includes steve um on different themes and the first one what we done was based around strength so a load of stories that we thought kids in hospitals would love to read around mm. that theme so yeah but that was interesting back, yeah 2017 i think that was yeah
0: yeah and what, what was the inspiration when me asking behind the whole kind of um, comics kits for kids was there something that sparked that in particular
2: Um, Yeah well essentially um, the short story is that I was in hospital for a long time with cancer which is all done dusted all fine back on normal Um, but when I came out I wanted to give back to you know the hospital and things like that and the people that helped me get better and in the traditional way I went and done fundraising by going for a run and you know stuff like that but then eventually I thought I need I want to give back in a different way because i have a big issue with in general of giving money away and not really knowing where it's going right um because you know when i was doing this starting this idea off there was a lot of stuff going around in the newspapers about these big charities and some other charities that were just essentially swindling money (laughs) um so Mm. i was very scared about actually giving money to anyone at that point um so i thought how can i give back and I remember that when I was in the hospital I liked to read a lot of comics and you know being an adult I could afford all that um and then it then I thought about in the hospital I was in there was a whole unit dedicated to kids going through the same same treatment so I thought how can I give to them and originally it was an idea of just giving them a box of comics uh, to read but there was a lot of red tape around that and we couldn't actually do it um I think that's changed now and we're, get, we're starting to be able to give books into these places, but we couldn't back then. Right. And so essentially I just was walking with my fiancé down like the park on one of our walks and I just went, well, I like comics. Why don't we just give them something that they can create their own? And then it just kind of went from there, really. And Brilliant. it keeps growing. The The pack keeps getting more and more expensive to make. So <laughs>
0: Do you mind me asking just so people get an idea of
2: what's in a general pack? So we have art materials, which is like a pack of pencils, colouring pencils, colouring crayons. We have a black marker so you can do your inking. We give you pencil sharpeners, erasers. We give you a set of stickers. Some are speech bubbles, some are sound effects. And then we have some how-to guides. And then we also have like you get a pre-printed panelled comic. Um, to draw your final comic but we also provide you a pad so you can just practice with and last year we managed to put in how to make comics issue one with Springworth which is a A4 magazine that talks you through how to make a comic but not in the traditional way the way that one works is that you follow a story and you're being asked by the character Springworth who is a robot butler to fill in the story with your ideas. So instead of traditional, here's how to draw a head, it's like jumps you in the deep end, it's just like, oh no, a monster's attacking. What does that monster look like? It's got one big eye, here's the eye. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I I bought a copy of that for um, one of my surrogate nephews, and he absolutely adored it. He really did. Um, The other one was a bit older, so I had to get him the drawing comics the Marvel way, because he was a bit (laughs) more. You Know, but they were both using the, the um, how to draw comics though. So, oh, that brilliant, was, that was good, that's that's fascinating. And, and yourself, Steve, because I've got to admit that you know, I never fail to be impressed by the sheer amount of titles that you have on your tables whenever I come across <laughs> you at you know, at, at a convention. It's unbelievable, mate. It's always something
2: new to, to oh, it's, spend my it's money on. Tremendous.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. I mean, I've been going for a few years now, so I guess I got I've got a little bit of a range. But I know I know where Aaron is catching up because I know he's bringing lots of stuff out, which is great to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I came to Kickstarter in a very kind of di- different route, really, and, and because because um, for a long time I was very anti Kickstarter. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, we're going back about 10 years, uh, 10 years ago, I was, uh, I, I, there was a couple of conventions that I, I, I was on panels on, and I was, um, the, you know, the, the panels which just on against Kickstarter, and I was on the against Kickstarter, mm. um, and I, I, I really used to rail against it, because I, I just used to think it was, it was just, well, I'll be honest, I just used to think it was just begging, uh, and no more than that, um, so for many years, I was really, really anti it, and, and I, I just didn't want to kind of be involved with it at all mm. and um what happened then i um there was there was a game that was put on kick that was done through kickstarter a, a mm. card game called exploding kittens
2: <laughs> love
1: it yeah but that, that went crazy on kickstarter it was a real success story mm. but i i kind of caught onto it because the way they were it, they did it was very different from anything I'd seen before on Kickstarter in the way it was done now I'd only previously seen comics kickstarters uh, before um and I, um, they all seemed to be of, of a certain type where people were asking for far far more than i knew that the book would cost to produce and and, right. and you know there's lots of kind of things yeah. i was kind of didn't like about it um but with the exploding kittens one it, it just seemed a really a unique way of of, um launching a launching a product basically so it wasn't so much about um Getting you know getting something funded, it was about providing something to to your your backers which they wouldn't otherwise get. And then I noticed the same trend was happening with with other board games on Kickstarter, and it's, it's it still happens today. I think I think the games the tabletop game section of Kickstarter is is an incredible kind of you know wealth of kind of creativity, but also it's a real wealth of value. And um, because what i noticed happening on there with tabletop games. All these campaigns were adding so much extra content yeah. into their into their packs, the more support they were getting. And it just seemed, it, it was my kind of bit of kind of a Damascus moment, really, because I suddenly thought, well, that's it. It's not about um, trying to get money from people to kind of fund your project so much. It's actually using it as a means to... Um, launch something but also to kind of reward the people who support your project in the first place um and i currently realized it was me coming and then i kind of coming to kickstarter from from the point of view of seeing it as a as a distribution model yeah. rather than a funding model um and that's what, what i could see what was happening with with the with the, with the guys that were doing the uh the, the tabletop games on, on kickstarter mm. um, and thinking about how i could adopt that kind of approach um, and do it through comics because I, I i was never interested in getting um everything paid for for the for the books to be launched because you know Tom Bum had been going a few years anyway um so it is very much you was self, self-sufficient um but it was the idea of it being able to reach a new audience that was was really exciting and, and that was that that was the when, when everything kind of clicked for me when it kind mm. of fell into place yeah um but rather than jumping straight in, I, I then spent um, a few months um, just following Kickstarters myself, backing some Kickstarters, and just understanding how it worked from the the, the backer end rather yeah. than the creator end to just to get a handle on what seemed to work, what didn't seem to work. Um, and then when I did my first Kickstarter, and that was at the tail end of uh, 2015, um, then using... Um, the approach that i could see being done for tabletop games with a um about comics so that's how that's how i approached it and that's how i've approached it ever since not as a not as a means to raise funds but as a means to um distribute um, yeah. and a- reaching an audience which you wouldn't otherwise normally reach so circumventing the kind of um the, the diamond uh one stock mm. uh, you know distributor model but, but been able to still able to reach an international audience and also uh, you know a, a british audience through um through the platform so that that's how uh, how i came to kickstarter I'm, I'm, I'm the first the first book i did was um was the first bomb scares um horror anthology book um, so that was the first one and, I, and that's, you know, where, where I basically I was testing that kind of mo- model that I had to see if it would work. And, and um, it did. So that's the, that's pretty much the model I've used since then. Brilliant. And did you self-fund before that,
0: Steve? Yeah. Or was, yeah. was there other kind of funding channels that, that know, were around? No, everything,
1: then? Yeah, everything is self-funded. And the thing is, the, the reason as well, that, um, I mean, it, 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 the Kickstarters I do, I do now, the amount, the target I set is always much, much lower than, than what, the, the, you know, you actually need to kind of produce the book and pay the creators and all that mm. kind of stuff. Mm. Because it, it's about, it's not about covering the costs because, yeah. because the books can be published regardless. Um, it's, it's about offering something else, offering something more to the backers. Yeah. Rather than the people who um, who you know may wander past at a convention table and pick a book up. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's all about that added value. So yeah. you know our, the kickstarters is that added value. So um, the targets are low. So oh, hopefully then the targets are hit very quick. So then you can start adding in all the extra content. So then the people who um who do then support the kickstarters get really value for money packages. Yeah, it's similar to
0: ourselves actually because we we're just in the middle of our second kickstarter now um for gga issue two and again our targets have been relatively modest compared to what Mm. most people seem to put on there i think (laughs) the first one was was around 250 because we just wanted to cover the cost of getting it printed Mm. and and the second one's gone up to three and that i'll be honest with you most of that is just to cover the cost of shipping them out to the states because you know i had a lot of Mm. backers from america and you know I, i was cutting it fine on postage but again, like yourself, Steve, it's not about how much money can I exploit from people through Kickstarter. I just want to make sure that I can add value. Uh, and if we get a bit more, then I can throw some extra bits in. So I think it's a refreshing approach that, because I don't know whether you, you've both seen this, but some of the rates around some of the Kickstarters, I mean, I, and I suppose it's easier for ourselves because we're a bit kind of self-sufficient that we, we do the work ourselves. But they do seem pretty high some of them and,
2: and you know fair dues. they make it and good luck to them yeah i was going to say I, I find this because uh as with what steve just said that's exactly the approach that we take well i take on our kickstarts as well as for example like we've just done the spark magazine now that is for five issues five to eight which is another four issues now if i'm just going to give away how much it costs right for me to create one magazine is almost free f- just over three three grand. Right. Because mm. of you know, you're paying a page rate for all the Because I don't I don't draw this. I write some of the stories, but I don't draw it. Yeah. And then there's the printing. And then hopefully some down the line we want to do distribution through stores as well, but so you have to have a quantity printed. We are, so you're thinking that's freezing twelve grand that we'd realistically need to even just make the comic the, those four issues the magazine we put our target at 1000 quid pretty much and yeah. I, I just so i have a trick i put it just over a thousand so i put 1024 because i think 1000 dead on just looks weird so i just throw a couple of random numbers on the end mm. but yeah we're, we're the same we're doing it as a distribution model for the as steve does offering something to people that are backing us and yeah. making it a thing. Um, yeah and I am very shocked when I see a lot of people that some of the targets that they do put when I see stuff like 15, 20, 30 grand I have mm. seen and god blind me! I don't know how they manage to get it sometimes but I'm missing something. Um, well one thing I've got a hard target audience because I'm all ages so that's that's the first problem and the yeah. second one is, I don't think I have bras on the front of my comics. <laughs> so that's the second yeah. one. That always <laughs>
0: makes me giggle. Um, yeah. If there's a lingerie section in the book, it's always like 3,000% funded, isn't it? <laughs> Quite amusing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there we go. But that's that's fascinating. And it's really interesting as well, Steve and Aaron, that you, you know, you're looking at this as more of a distribution model. I think that's a really unique way to, uh, to look at this because, Again, with ourselves, you know, we've not been around that much. We've only been really doing this for just over probably um, 12 months. And it's very difficult to get your product seen Mm. by people when you're new. And that's the beauty of something like Kickstarter. I know there are other other funding mechanisms out there, you know, Indiegogo and stuff like that. But what you are really doing is you're trying to broaden the number of people that can see what you're producing. So... It's fascinating that you're, you're you're thinking it in that term, actually. Where
1: well, don't... and I think where Kickstarter really comes to the fore is, is the fact that you're, you're reaching outside that um, yeah. UK outside grown that audience. Hole. Now, um, and what's been interesting um, for me is that I've done twelve um, Kickstarters now hmm. um, since, since 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 the first since back in 2015. Um, and what's been interesting is is, is the kind of the first of all that you get that the, the returning audience which is terrific yeah. you know um and that's the risk to have those people who kind of regularly come back and support the, the, what you're doing um but wh- where it's really making a difference as well is the 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 international audience and how mm-hmm. that is growing because the, the, the first, first um the first um kickstarter i did it had some it had some international backers but it, it was it was only about you know um Probably about three, you know, five percent of the of the mm-hmm. total um, total amount, but the, the you know, but that's slowly gone up, um, mm-hmm. and and the last one I did for the Dick Turpin, um, there was actually more international backers as a percentage than. Um, than UK backers, so yeah. it, it, it's great to reach the you know, you realize you're reaching that audience. Um, and it is properly global because you know, um, I, I was sending you know, for the Dick Turpin one that recently finished, I was sending packages as well as the obvious ones like you know, the, the states and, and and Canada. Um, you know, there's Australia, there was Japan, there was Saudi Arabia, there was Korea, yeah, there was Sweden, Finland, you know, a lot of other places wow. in Europe. Um, I and, think and it's that's same thing. and and, you know there's no way you would reach that that audience otherwise there is no way you'd reach that audience um and i think that's that's the um that's the beauty of it that you can you can tap into that market um and if you're um if you if you your pricing's right then and you're not gouging your international backers for postage
2: Mm. which i
1: know is 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 a a bit of a, a tightrope walk to do um then you then you will get that international support, um, and hopefully that will continue to build. So you know that's that's a great aspect of of the of the platform.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and the interesting thing about you saying about people returning to your products as well, both yourself and Aaron, is that you know that doesn't happen with everyone, and that I think that to be fair is a is a sign of the quality of what you put out there, because. You know, as we all know, comic fans are very fickle. <laughs> and <laughs> if they don't like what they get, they won't come back. So although you're right, you do build a, a little bit of a um, repeat business, I don't think you take away from the fact that it's because what you put out there is, is bloody good stuff, you know. So, but yeah, you're well, right. It,
1: no, it's true. I, I know, think an as well to that is is the reliability of mm. delivering something that platform, because there are still, you know, unfortunately, um projects are are created and and that you know are backed and funded that you know either take a ridiculous amount of time to deliver on them Mm. or even don't deliver at all um you know and that that still happens unfortunately right so i think this part i think this part of it if if you've got um if if you've got a visible track record of, of of you know successfully producing something and delivering it within a reasonable time scale, i think it it just creates kind of back of confidence as well which then then leads to that kind of um that kind of support going forward. yeah i think I, that's a key
2: part of it i was gonna add to that because um so i've i've fallen victim of this myself and it's come from a couple of um it's led to a couple of interesting things one is that i had done two kickstarters before the book was finished uh, and I'm never going to do that again um, because one thing it meant that people are waiting way too long for their book and in my opinion as, as Steve says I don't that's not good um, I don't like it when it happens to me and I yeah. don't want to do that and the second one is it can hurt you financially um, we just had one where it took a year essentially to get it out the door and because most of the people that backed us were actually american it means that i've lost on average four to five pounds per package Mm. because so we would have made money on the kickstarter but we didn't because of the fact that in that time raw mail right now have just a hundred percent added on top of their international postage yeah so the biggest thing on that is just trust needs to be built but also that reliability of being able to get it out to them in the in the best way because if I I don't want to compromise on how we send stuff out so that you know I have to absorb all that cost if it all goes wrong because we've took too long yeah. and I think that and I've, I've seen projects fail with, um, and end up not even giving stuff to the backers in the end because they've underestimated that aspect of it so wow. yeah
1: yeah I, I think as well the, the, i mean the caveat with that of course is that i think this is where communication comes in yeah. as well because it's kind of get that you know things things happen you know i mean yeah. look at this year for example it's a perfect perfect example how things have kind of completely derailed for the planet this year yeah. um, so i think people i think sometimes things will get delayed that that's kind of that's that's life but i think the key thing is is just keeping people informed so i think if you provide that kind of transparency and honesty about okay why something might be coming a little bit later than originally intended then i think a lot of people will probably give give a little bit of leeway on that you know yeah it's it's, it's when it's when basically everything just goes quietens down there's no there's no updates there's no information messages requesting information are just completely you know you're ghosted I think that's yeah. that's the problem um because you know thing, things do happen things do get delayed um mm. but I think as long as you keep your, your you know your, your backers um in the loop as to the reasons behind it um I think um you know a lot of the time that's People will be quite understandable. I think the only time that they probably won't get, you know, maybe to understand was it, is if, for example, you've you, instead of completing on the project, you've decided to go and do something else instead. And, oh,
2: and yeah, God. Which,
1: yeah. Which, which to me is just unprofessionalism. Yeah.
0: You know, I was going to say um, it's just unprofessional And, and, and it's it? an
1: interesting thing that you tend to see that the people who tend to do that tend to be the kind of, um the more kind of, the, the, the creators with perhaps a more um, pro- established pedigree. Who seem mm. to be seem to do that, yeah. um, and which, which is a very kind of strange kind of attitude to take, really, because essentially with with, with anything you know with a Kickstarter, you, you, you know, as soon as that book is funded, you've kind of entered into in, into almost like a bit of a contract with your backers, yes. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, what should you doing then? You, you know, you've been paid for the work you're doing, yeah, or or, or what you've asked for. So
2: mm-hmm. therefore,
1: you have to knuckle down and you need to do the book, not kind of drop it halfway because you've got a a more interesting deal somewhere else um you you should actually just crack on do the book and actually respect the people that have supported you in the first place
2: yeah uh, that's a great attitude
0: yeah yeah you're absolutely right so uh i mean so from what you've been saying steve i mean you know you you said you've had 12 kickstarters uh, since 2015 was it so it's about about three three or four a year so from all that experience and without giving any any of your trade secrets away steve um but what have you learned from from doing these these kickstarters and things um I mean for example is there a set process that you follow because if you're turning out three or four titles roughly a year must take quite a lot of planning to make sure that you don't fall foul of like you say having too many things spinning at once and not being able to deliver on any of them
1: yeah I mean yeah I mean it's I mean because it's seen as as i said distribution so so it works for me because i yeah i understand that there's there's a certain amount of time you, you should allocate to doing it so really for, for any any kick to me um a, a three month period is about right for um a kickstarter now we, and, and that's and i break that down with, with one month to kind of prep okay um one month then with a campaign live, and then ideally one month then after it's finished to deliver. So it, it it's work within that three month window. Um I personally think that you know um you should you know the 30, 30 days, 32 days is mm. the ideal. Yeah. I, I think I know you can go for 56 days, but I think 56 days is is just, you know, I, I don't I, I generally don't understand why no it's, <laughs> run a campaign for 56 days. Yeah. And the reason is because the actual the actual campaign part is, is actually quite intense mm,
0: yes. and,
1: and to have have that extended to essentially two, nearly two months i think you know it you, you won't be able to give it as much um focus as you need to yeah um so for me it, it's kind of you know if you if you can get it within those three months that, that that to me that's that that's a perf- perfect um time uh, also as well for me it's kind of making sure that both your target and also um your the individual rewards are are fair mm. um and, and and what i mean is that i mean you know whether whether you put you know it's up to, it's up to anybody where they want to if they want to put their, their overall target as the as covering all costs that they need and that's fair enough um personally i I don't do that for the reasons i've explained Mm. but you know i I see the legitimacy in doing that at the same time you know don't take the mickey because one of the things that um that you know i'm aware of and it's probably because you know i've been doing this for, for a while now anyway even before i started crowdfunding i know on average how much a book costs to make yeah um you know no matter what format so when any kicks when i when i see any kickstarter um and i follow kickstarter a lot as as as, as, mm. as 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 a buyer um i can pretty much tell um at first glance if what they're asking for is 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 about fair or yeah. is a bit mistake yeah mm. i can usually tell um extends into the individual reward packages so i always think of it like this you know you can ask for whatever you like as an individual as a, as a reward but i think what's an all a key thing to always do is flip it round, and when you when you're creating your your list of um, reward tiers put put your head on as a backer and think would you pay that yourself for another project and that's yeah. always a really good benchmark okay so if you think asking someone to pay 15 pounds plus posted for a 24 page black and white book is (laughs) fine because you've done that yourself then that's fine you you go for it yeah okay but if if as a backer you would you would balk at that Mm. then why are you kind of asking for that amount of commitment financial commitment yourself okay um so i i think i think it's Think of things as a backer is a really important thing to do, and I think that extends as well to using the platform yourself, backing other projects yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a really key thing to do. Um, you know, it, it's one thing going on to Kickstarter and you know expecting people to come and back your project, but if you haven't backed any projects yourself, well, why, why, why are you expecting any support? Yeah, you know. Mm. Um, you know i'm not saying you you should kind of back every single project that comes out um but at least you know if if you've got faith in the platform then have faith in the platform from the other end as well uh, as a backer as well as a creator and i think i think by by supporting other projects um you you get to kind of a sense of of the kickstarter community because it is a community Mm. yeah um, and it's very useful then for, for when you do have um a, a live kickstarter um to, to, to do things like cross promotion mm. um, because you know there are people that i know have, have backed um one of my campaigns because i, I backed one of theirs um which is a really nice thing to do um but i know that that's a really kind of important part of um how kickstarter works yes. so um you know don't just go marching in and kind of thinking oh yeah everyone should back your project and you're not you're not going to touch anyone else's kind of spread it you know a bit a bit give a bit of give and take will we'll dividends we'll, yeah. we'll for you um both in, in in any camp you know
2: in the campaign you're doing now or any campaigns you do further down the line yeah so in. we we i do the same kind of thing obviously i have a personal account and a professional account for the business but the public one that I've done, I can't even remember how many I've done. It's too many. Um, I'm sure my fiance would tell you too much. But um, <laughs> the Spot book ones, even that, every now and then, what I try and do is I allocate some money to the side from the business to go back onto, onto Kickstarter and back some other all-ages stuff as a, as a way to help ingest a bit of money into that environment as well. Yeah because yeah. um, like like um steve says it shows that you're not just asking for money you actually believe in what you're doing and you believe what other people are doing as well mm. and it's important to get that across because you we i see it a lot where you get people that come in have no previous they've never backed anything they've created a kickstarter and they want 15 20 grand and you think uh where's this coming from who are you what's going on and one of the other things that i see as well is like um steve said about knowing the cost of comics and how much it costs to make them i always find it very strange when i see comics that are for like issue one is and they'll go oh i want 1500 and then they might get that they'll get that or more and then next time they come into issue two it'll be like oh i need 3000 4000 now and it's that really grinds me actually a little bit Mm. because it's it's kind of like if you work in comics you know that normally you drop off a little bit when you go to a second or third you know your next issues yeah anyway so why your cost is going up double or triple sometimes just astounds me (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah so realistically just i think i'm one of these people i don't know about other people but i will sometimes not back stuff just because i can tell that i think they're just going for the money grab rather than other things so right yeah yeah that really puts me off sometimes
1: mm. yeah i, I think, I think I'm, I'm the same now i mean i i, mean, I, I use I, I back a lot of projects i mean um i um I, most of the comics i get these days come through kickstarters that i mm. buy um so so i really you know it is, it is it has become my main kind of um means to to, to, to get stuff um you know and, and I've, I've backed over 400 projects now
2: um, oh, wow. over well done.
1: the last couple of years so I, i've got i've got one of those little super backer kind of um, <laughs> badges which <laughs> yeah. sort of gave me because obviously i've made kickstart a nice bit of money from doing that but I, I think that's really important that kind of it is that kind of fairness i mean and i can't stress that enough and, and i think it even extends to um when you, you know you you, you see a project and it's, it's on it's on kickstarter and they've got their issue one and say this they say, say that their price for that is say 10 pound plus postage well we, which you see that as a standard thing mm-hmm. um and is it maybe it's a standard size comic you know um and then maybe the weekend the, 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 you know um after the after the campaign is funded or just after they've got the printed you'll see them at a convention and they'll have that same book on the table for five pounds Mm. And oh. I find that irrit- I find that very irritating. Personally. That actually
2: irritates you know, the hell out of me. <laughs> I, you
1: know why? Why are you kind of um screwing over your backers? Because mm. to me, it, it it's, it's it should be the other way around. Because you should be rewarding the people who have put their, their their faith in you without you know with, with just based on your um campaign page and have put their hard money down, their money down. Um, they should be getting a better deal, surely well yeah because yeah, they're helping you realize
0: the projects, exactly. aren't
1: they? Yeah. yeah so you shouldn't gouge your backers so again so one of the things which, which i wasn't sure i do with mine is that you know anyone who, who buys a comic through any of my kickstarters mm. the price they pay for that actual printed book will always be cheaper than it'll be available anywhere else after the um after the kickstarter's done mm. so you know you can buy it from a convention but it'll it'll be more yeah um and I think that's a really fair thing to do.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I don't understand why people work the other way around, mm-hmm. and it's almost exploiting the backers' generosity and faith and all that kind of stuff. I don't get it. It's just it's it's, it's about being fair to the people that um you know that are supporting you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are fair to the people that are supporting you, they will happily then think seriously about supporting you again. Yeah. 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 It, you know, rather than being a one-hit wonder really if you're serious about it if you're serious about using kickstarter as a as, as a means to kind of get your work out there and get you get, get your work produced yeah um you, you need to be thinking of, of the long term rather than the short term game
2: I, I i agree totally with that um especially around the fact that so i've done nine i think now and you know i i don't think i've made money on a kickstarter yet um and that's not because um I'm under or anything like that it's just because like um Steve's saying I'm not using it as a way that look here is covering all the costs so even if you see that yeah the, oh wow Aaron's made two grand on this one or 1,500 on this one it's never going to be near what it's cost for me mm. to do this stuff so um as any way that I can thank people for even helping that a little bit. I'll go above and beyond for. Um, and I'm definitely like Steve. I'm really trying to analyse my cost breakdown really differently in the next year, especially to see how I can definitely make it more exciting for people that are back early. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one, Steve.
0: So just on a similar vein, then, obviously, the next question I've got is, you know, we're seeing a lot of people coming to Kickstarter with with exciting new projects, um, or so they tell us. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of them either don't get funded. I mean, there's quite a number on Kickstarter that it's not a given that you're going to meet your target, depending on what you, you set it at. But do you think that there's any common errors that somebody considering running a kickstarter or any kind of funding campaign is anything that you would you would say you know you need to just be aware of as, as a problem that maybe you've seen before in your experience
1: i mean it's stuff which we've kind of touched on i mean make sure your target is sensible yeah you know, don't give 40 grand <laughs> yeah <you know. laughs> um and likewise make sure you that you, you know that you've properly costed what it what it takes to send each of your packages out i mean you know i know, I know it's a common thing where you hear people have you know have kind of um they've lost money because they had to spend so much money on postage but to be perfectly honest if you sit down and do your costs properly that mm. should never happen yeah it really shouldn't because yeah. i mean you know because I mean, what i do is before before i when i'm putting the campaign page together away um, <laughs> i will actually put um packages together yep. and get their exact weight. Idea exactly the same exactly thing. Exactly what it's going to be for you know for wherever it is in the world. And I use that to base my base my um postage costs on for international postage, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it should never be a big surprise. Um because you know if you if you've um planned it all properly then any postage costs will be included is part of the um you know um the backup support which is covered anyway so that shouldn't be a problem i think i think the other only other thing is people kind of i think need to um especially if they're doing it for the first time is realize how much work it actually is
2: um
1: and it it is a lot more than just kind of launching your campaign um putting a message up on facebook and then sitting back it's a lot more involved than that um and i think i think that's the bit which sometimes catches people out um because you really have got to to work it you've got to hustle it um it's the same thing it's it's a bit like it's a bit like if you're at a convention if you're at a convention and and you're 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 sat behind the table you've got all your books laid out in front of you and you're sat there just looking at your phone all day long chances are you won't get many sales Yeah. yeah however if you're actively engaged with your audience as they're walking up and down and having conversations chances are you will get a couple of sales. Yeah, and I guess yeah. it, it, it It's it's that's the difference. It's a bit like that kind of conventional environment, but for every single day of your campaign. Mm-hmm. So you've got mm-hmm. to engage with, with your audience, and you've got you've got to, you know you've got to be persistent. Um, you know. So, and I think sometimes people say, oh well, I can't post about my, cam- about my campaign again. I've already done it. You know, three times this month, <laughs> or three times. This- so what? Carry on meeting it. Yeah. Ultimately, the people people who understand what you're doing and get what you're doing and why you're doing it, they won't have any objection to there being another Facebook post or whatever from you because they can just scroll on by. It's not going to, it's not, that is no hardship, but, you know, you need to kind of promote as much as you can. Um, one of the nice things that kickstarter has introduced relatively recently of course is, is now you've got the 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 pre-launch
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: pages um so you can you can drive up that initial support much better um before your campaign launches that, 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 than you used to be able to and and you know maximize on that as well so just just hustle it hustle it don't feel mm. embarrassed about hustling it um don't worry about that you, you're, you're people are going to get annoyed of seeing another post from you about about your project you know if your project is at important to you if it's that meaningful to you don't worry about that you shouldn't worry about it you should just hustle it and because it it makes the difference the more the more promotion you do during the campaign um the more attention you will get especially and i guess it's another little thing that 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 campaign lull which i guess is another thing which which people aren't expecting it can be a bit of a surprise um and this will happen no matter pretty much how long your campaign is unless i guess you maybe have a two-week campaign but anything longer than that you always have have the the mid-campaign lull where you have that initial surge of support over the first maybe week, 10 days or so, and then it just trails away to, well, it can be trails away to nothing really until the final few days. Um, Yeah. Working through that, if you're not expecting it, can be a real kind of um, grind. Yeah. Um, And no matter how many Kickstarters you do, you will always have that mid-campaign lull to some effect. Yeah. You know, even, even if you're smashing it out of the park, you will still have less backers every day during that middle part than you than you do at the front and the front and the end. Mm. Um, but you know, don't give up on that. Just keep because that's that's a normal thing. Um, and I think sometimes people think that you know supporting their project has just completely collapsed and no one's interested. It's not. It's just, it's, mm. it's just one of the things that happens every single campaign, no matter who you are and what your campaign is about. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, in also answering to this I think uh, I'll just hammer down what uh, Steve said and a couple of things to it the the grind is real and every day you should be doing something Um, don't definitely don't be afraid of spamming your social media because if anyone ever took the time to look at someone's profile page on social media you realize they tweet or post a lot more than what you ever see <laughs> yeah so you may post it 10 times during that day but someone's bound to only see it once or twice and you don't know what time they're looking at twitter you don't know what time anyone's looking at facebook so you want to be doing at least twice a day just to grab the morning and afternoon people or yep. if you like um steve is, steve and i are noticing you're getting international backers gonna to have to start auto po- uh, setting up posts to go in the early hours in the morning to reach those people as well yeah yeah so there's there is a hard grind on that but as a good benefit of that kickstarter allows you to add references to the end of your links so a, a big bit of advice i have for anyone starting up is make sure that your links every link you post uses that reference um, and make it different for everywhere so that you know when kickst- when things are coming into your Kickstarter and backing you know where they came from because mm. um, it can show you where you're either not spending enough time or where you're spending enough time and it's rewarding for example you might post 500 times on Twitter get one person whereas you might be posting three or four times in uh, different Facebook groups and then getting 20 people. But you're not going to know that unless you're using those reference links because all Kickstarter is going to tell you, oh, it came from Twitter. Oh, it came from Facebook. But what on did I do on Facebook? For example, I don't know about Steve, but I'll use my Facebook groups. I've got family and friend posts. So, you know, there's a variety of things that you can do on Facebook. But knowing which ones those came from is always benefit right. beneficial. So that's that's one of the advices I have. Second advice is don't look at other kickstarters successes. For example, you might jump onto kickstarter and look at the Everton and go, whoa you can make qu- a quarter of a million pounds." <laughs> but you got to remember they've spent 10-15 years building up an audience and giving away stuff online for free for that whole 10-15 years or yes. I've done that. I'm trying to I'm probably making them older than they are. But <laughs> but that is that didn't come easy that wasn't like they just put up a kickstarter one day and all of a sudden everyone was like oh yeah that's amazing i'm gonna do it no that was years and years of building up mailing lists of cons and hard work conversations so and then the other side of kickstarter is that that darker side like we kind of laughed about earlier where there is a whole system built on basically adult themed comics Mm. and f- you cannot judge any comics based on how much money they make because they make four I've, I've actually looked into this they make four to seven times more than any other comics on the platform yeah and you can't judge your your comic that is not adult themed based on that at all because you're never going to hit it so just be very cautious of what you're basing your targets on and that's yes. why iterating back to what we said before make it realistic to what you need is the way i go because something there's also something sexy about having that percentage sign like i remember everton brothers saying once that and this stuck to me and i i changed my next kickstarter just because of this right if you set lower your percentage looks higher right so yeah. if you get funding it's 100 percent but as soon as you get 200 percent funding that looks really good now people who are scrolling through that comic page on kickstarter scrolling through it says oh this project's got 450 percent its target that's enticing you're going to now look and go why is that yeah that's yeah. your first grab so think about it if yeah. you don't realistically need two grand don't put two grand put 500 quid if that's all you need like if you're like you say if you're only trying to get 250 pounds for your printing costs put 250 because then when you raise a thousand you now look really good so there's a lot of things to think about i think that's fascinating and particularly things around the references and things like that because again you know i'm
0: relatively new to this um h and i've only done one previously Mm. so we're still finding our way through the whole kickstarter kind of work as it were and how 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 to get the benefits from it but for us the goal is just to to fund the work you know to get to get stuff out there but that's that's really interesting and the the other bit about comparing yourself is is really important as well i think for all things in life isn't it all creative things it's all too easy to sometimes look at the next table and go well how come they're selling more than we are or whatever but yeah you know if you're putting out the best product you think you can put out and you're proud of it I don't really care if anybody buys it or not, you know, because yeah. I'm just chuffed that I've created something and I've, I've actually put it out on a table. <laughs> if one person buys a book, I'm chuffed, but everyone's different, aren't they? You know, yeah. but
2: I think that's really sound advice actually. Well, the, the reason why it's important for me at the moment, um, and I don't know if Steve's looking into this at the moment, obviously once you start getting to a point of doing nine or 12, as Steve's done of Kickstarters, the thing that you're starting to look at is not, did I hit my target? Stuff like that. It's, because uh, obviously Steve knows this is a bit for us it's a business as well as a hobby Yeah. so it's you're starting to analyze who back so for example I'm building I, I've been looking into this recently I'm not going to tell you figures because it's personal but the thing that I've been really thinking about at the moment is how many people are exactly the same on every kickstarter uh, like how many of those are loyal customers yeah and how many are new customers and then I analyze where did those new customers come from because for me at the moment i'm trying to figure out where i get the next lot of people from because i'm starting to get aware of um releasing a lot and siphoning out the community i've built so i'm trying to make sure that that balance stays like i don't want to say to my great friends that i've built in this small press community i've released 15 comics this year why have you not bought all 15 yeah <laughs> i want to yeah. be like you know you can you you can only back two that's brilliant because as we know it means i've still got other people that are coming in and new so that's that's a big thing for me at the moment and that's why references are important
1: Mm. and why
2: starting to analyze this data is very important for me at the moment but you don't have to worry about that too much on your first one no
1: (laughs) Um, i think the 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 more the more campaigns you do you, you start really getting to the the deep detail and um you know and it's i think i'm, I'm the same as you, you Aaron. you i've kind of just you're, you're analyzing the numbers um and, and and that in itself becomes fascinating i mean i use um as well i use things like um bigger cake and kick track which are um separate to kickstarter but what they do they analyze all the analytics that are right. coming from campaigns and you could but where it's useful is you can not just see just your campaign you can see other campaigns as well um and that's really good for breaking down where things are coming from country by country and percentages and trends and all that kind of stuff um so so all that kind of stuff is really useful to use uh, as as you go forward but i think it it is it's kind of looking at like um like like a like a business opportunity um, treating it in, 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 in the same way as, as if you're launching it at a convention or through Diamond or something. You, you, you're applying those same kind of techniques in terms of promotion um, and customer service and all that kind of stuff that, that are really, really important. It, mm. it, it is more than just having a really cool-looking project. I mean, that's obviously a great big part of it um, because I generally yeah. believe that if, if the actual um, the project itself is 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 done well comes across well and and what people are asking the people who created it what they're asking for is fair and reasonable that project will get that support it yeah. will be backed yeah. yeah um so i i, th- I think there's never going to be a situation where i think there's there's too many projects on on kickstarter or any other crowdfunding platforms because the the, the projects that are the creators have put them together well they've thought about how they're going to run their campaigns and they're running a particular way and fairly mm-hmm. and and you know they, they promote they will get what they need through that platform. Yeah. it's
0: interesting you say that because obviously the next question that we were, we're looking at is um what do you guys think the future of raising funds for projects like this looks like? And, you know, are you concerned that things like Kickstarter may become oversaturated or do you feel if there's daylight between what you offer as a product and say the, you know, the, the lingerie crowd and, and things <laughs> like that,
2: that there's, a, there's still room for everyone? I've, I personally don't think it's going to be saturated anytime soon and the reason i say that personally is i think a lot of what draws backers to kickstarters is the hard work and the grind you have to do on marketing so um it's very rare that well for me anyway personally on the all ages stuff it's very rare that someone backs us just by going through kickstarter like in the um comic section i'm I I imagine it's probably might be different for Steve because it's a different demographic. People looking for kids comics don't tend to look on Kickstarter. Um, And kids comics are hard to market for anyway because you're marketing for an adult to buy it for their kid. So that's a whole different economic. So um, what I'm trying to say, sorry, is that it's your audience that you've built that usually back your campaign in my in my experience and I'll see what Steve says in a sec so before you do a Kickstarter I think just make just spend that time building up that audience yeah um you know make if anything make sure you've got at least 50 emails or 100 emails that you can email email when your campaign starts I would even just that would be the minimum I'd say because If you want people to take a chance on your kickstarter that are coming through kickstarter browsing they're not going to take a chance on someone that's got no backers at all Mm. so um and that's why i don't think it's going to get saturated because i think still at the moment it's still individual brands selling to their current market um and that's why i'm spending a lot of time at the moment trying to analyze how i move forward on pushing it to the next stage so yeah i don't know what what about you steve how are you on finding that well, i i don't think there'll be saturation um simply because
1: the the or the size of the available audience yeah. it's, it's so far exceeds yeah. what you know what, i think what most of us any ever comes close to in terms <laughs> of, you yeah know, there are mili- literally millions of people supporting projects through kickstarter and you know even in you know obviously not everyone is, is going to be interested in comics on that but even the ones then that are into comics if you look at some of the you know the big hitters um i mean you know you reference the etherington brothers and that's a really great example i mean the, they had thousands and thousands of backers for their for their yeah. um kickstarter, and rightly so because it is a great project yeah. but you know that that's just just gives an indication about about potential how many potential backers would be interested in your project and i so and i think quality will always um survive i think what will happen like anything else you you'll get people launching kickstarters and and some will fail and some will succeed but i genuinely think that the, the the ones that um you know offer a really quality looking um product um will succeed um because i think that that's that's always a way i mean i don't see it changing anytime soon and i think in many ways it's probably i mean this year is interesting really because i think when um when everything went went into into lockdown everything fell apart in february march time i think um i think people thought oh my god is as does this mean oh, mm. but actually it hasn't um and and what's been quite interesting is is it i mean because i regularly kind of um um keeping an eye on what projects are launched on Kickstarter. Um, and what's, what I found is quite interesting that on average, the, the projects that have been launched through the lockdown, certainly the ones based in the UK, seem to have a better um, level of support, a higher level of support than, um, you know, they used to before. Um, yeah. Whether it's because it, it, it was a, a means to get stuff because comic shops are closed and all that kind of stuff, I don't know. Yeah. Um But, you know, there is definitely an audience for it. And I think part of it as well is is the fact that it is that direct link to the people who are well, on both sides. You know, as a a creator, you can directly communicate with the people who are buying and reading and hopefully enjoying your comics, Mm. which is very different from, you know, if you've got um, a normal distributor. Yeah. Because if you know if, if you if you have your books distributed through Diamond than I have in the past, you don't even know which shops have carried your titles, you right. know, let alone who, who let alone who reads them. Um, you know, it, it, you have no idea. Um, oh, yeah. But with Kickstarter, you have that direct line, and I think from a backup perspective as well, it's kind of cool having that direct line to the actual creators. You know, and I've certainly I've had much more feedback from people who've read the comics that they purchased through the Kickstarter campaigns you know direct feedback in terms of kind of messages and um you know emails and, and tweets or whatever than um any, any other environment yeah. you know um yeah. so I think that's where 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 it, it strength is as well I think the people that, that are kind of consistently building an audience on Kickstarter I think they will continue to do so. Mm. I think that new people coming into Kickstarter, if they respect the platform and the people using it, um, they will find an audience as well. Mm. Um, Things like IDW and and Dark Horse and and Rebellion and now starting to look at Kickstarter and using Kickstarter themselves is a real indication of how the big hitters see the um, potential for the platform. Uh, it's interesting
0: mm-hmm. you mentioned that, Steve, because I was just one of the things when I was doing my show notes for this and I was thinking about the recent Todd McFarlane Kickstarter where he he, uh, oh, he yeah. did his, his toy line again, didn't he? And he had an £18,000 target and I think he finished on £2.7 <laughs> you know. And when I had a look at the data, you're like this, Aaron, I think he, he sent a total of 23 updates. Uh. <laughs> but do you think there's a, a slight danger there, though, Steve? That if, say, the bigger names or the famous people, the professionals come onto um, Kickstarter, do you think there could be a, an indirect impact on people like ourselves, or well, myself particularly, but I know yourselves, you're far more sort of advanced than I am in this process. But do you think there could be a danger that it could soak up what kind of money there is out there?
1: I guess, I guess it's, it's, it's the equivalent of, of, you know, you can put it in, transfer it to like a convention perspective. Mm. So if you go to, to a convention behind the tape and, and they happen to have as guests kind of people like Jim Lee and all that kind of stuff in the corner, um, how, how much difference will it make then? I, personally, I think people who, who want to pay £300 for a head sketch by Jim Lee <laughs> are not my audience.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and so I don't, I'm not really kind of bothered about that. In, in the same mm. way... I think people who kind of who, who want to buy, you know, superhero comics on, on Kickstarter or or the or the lingerie books, um, with with fifteen fifteen thousand different variants, um, that that's not my order. Yeah, yeah. You know, I th- I think it's knowing who your audience are.
0: Thinking about that on the on the flip side as well from what you've just said there. I mean, is there a, is an argument to say that if we do get people like Rebellion, IDW, Dark Horse, Todd McFarlane, mm. people like that on Kickstarter, is that actually going to increase the number of people coming through the platform well, so that should- then will be exposed to to things they would maybe would never have even seen before because they may be joining. Purely because there's, there's a name on there mm. and why they're on there. They're having a bit of a snoop around and they come across, you know, Brawler or they come across, you know, one of your projects, Aaron,
2: you know. Mm. Well, let me, I'll throw some figures at you and then you tell me if you think it's a bad place, to, right? So 2019, so I've got these up in front of me. The total number of people that repeated backing projects in 2019 across the site was 16.9 million right that's how many people actually backed more than one kickstarter yeah right uh 5.6 of those done quite quite more than that right comics it as a whole currently right now there's 209 live um projects currently raising one currently have raised 1.24 million Mm. and the average success rate of a kickstarter in the comic section is 59 percent, right and if you were to look at that on kickstarter that is the second highest percentage outside of dance wow so if anything it's probably one of the most greatest categories to be going on kickstarter to do um because if you also think about some of these categories, for example, stupidly high numbers like music is 262 uh, thousand odd um, Kickstarter campaigns in a lifetime have raised 250 million, yeah. whereas only 16 thousand comics have made 116 million. So you know a third of the amount of comics raised half the amount of of those. So in my opinion, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And if people do, uh, if the big ones do come on the platform, I can imagine that the only thing is it will make everyone's life better. Because yeah. I know for a fact, speaking to people at Kickstarter, that their biggest focus is how do they get people backing more than one project. Yeah. So Kickstarter are working on ways all the time to help encourage you buy new stuff. Yeah you know on updates you send sometimes they send little messages at the bottom of emails saying these are similar ones you might like you know yeah there's all sorts of stuff going on now so i think if anything it's probably a really good time to get on especially with comics starting to go up in terms of how many people are on their backing so Mm. and 59 percent is i've had a little look into this it's really good it's a very high success rate but also, when things fail, it tends to be because of the higher target they've set. Right. So there is is there de- there is usually a clear balance there of, well, you failed because you're asking for 20 grand, you know, for the first comic you've ever made. It's probably yeah. not going to happen. Um, these, like you say, McFarlane and all that can do all these big ones because they've got 20 odd years of
0: yeah, absolutely. people and, behind them. And you know. to be fair, they've, they've worked their way through the business yeah. to get that following. And nobody begrudges them that do they you know no not at all um, and I don't think you should and right. you know much like you said Steve you know if you've got if you go to a convention and you've got Jim Lee sat in the corner I'd be chuffed to bits because that means there's going to be lots and lots of people queuing up near my table for me to shill my books at by the way to you know because you've got to take the advantage of, of having those people there aren't you so that's that's great that's brilliant guys that's been really really useful and helpful I think you know if you are out there and you're considering maybe Uh, launching a project on kickstarter there's there's two things that we've taken from this one is that it's a healthy environment to do it but the other one is a bit like creating a comic or anything creative don't underestimate how much work it's going to take because it is hard work and i i absolutely bow to you two guys who can turn out the number of, of kickstarters successfully that you do because it is not easy you know it really isn't so if you're not willing to put the work in I just wouldn't even bother, to be honest.
2: <laughs> the, the posting is always the hardest part for me. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of it is not too yeah. so bad. So with that in mind, do you want to give us
0: a little insight into possibly any of future projects that are coming up with yourselves, um, either on Kickstarter or or not? Do you want to just give uh, give the listeners a bit of an idea of what they can expect? We'll start with you. Actually, Steve, you want to tell us what's coming up from Timebomb?
1: Well, uh, this, this year was going to be a really, really busy year, but obviously with all this happened, it's kind of we've got to slow things down a bit um, because, um, uh, you know, uh, apart as, as from the, the, the Kickstarter side of things, um, the main kind of way we, we kind of get our books to an audience is through conventions. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously with no, with, with no conventions taking place, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, so um, at the moment, there the production is still continuing on loads of different things. So I've, I've got eight different projects that are currently in various kind of stages of, of completion.
0: Wow. Um,
1: um, and of the, they include uh, the second issue of Brawler, uh, Flintlock Book Five, uh, another scares anthology volume, um, and a few kind of uh, graphic novels um, as well. And, you know, so it's a combination of, of stuff that's from me and from other creators as well. Um, mm-hmm. Now, potentially, I'm up through, through August. But at the right. moment, I just want to make sure that uh, I'm kind of um, fighting fit, really. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I'll, I'll know by probably the, the end of end of next week if if I if, if I'll be doing that or um, if I'll be need to push it back then to the year. The idea, I mean, hopefully there'll be at least one more project that I'll push out through Kickstarter um, before the end of end of this year. Um, if I can squeeze two in, then all, all well and good. But um, that's, that's where i am at the moment so excellent. things are a little bit up in the air um but um trying to get things move forward as as quick as i can
0: mm-hmm. excellent
2: that's great stuff that's great stuff how about yourself aaron um yeah like steve said and uh, this year's a bit thrown a bit of spanner in the works in terms of a few things so but i have a couple of plans one um just trying to finalize if i have space to do it is to get another little heroes anthology out there um because we already have the cover done and we just, you know, would love to get another one of those done. But the the other thing is that I'm planning on an experiment actually. So we've just done the Spark magazine. Um but later on in the year we want to release a Spark annual for the year. <laughs> and you know, in that classic style as you do. Um but we think I'm thinking about attempting to do a pre-order kind of kickstart a page on my own website to see to see how different that would be because as i said to you before at the moment i'm very much looking at numbers related to repeat customers against new customers yeah so i want to see if doing a campaign on my own website under the same style where you know i'm saying look this is only going to be funded for 30 days blah, blah, blah 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 whether we'll have the same success or not and you know it might fail it might go horribly wrong but it's something i'm only going to know by trying so that is definitely and the other thing as well is i've just thrown up an indiegogo page for the spark after the starter ended um just to to leave it there really to see one what happens on indiegogo if you don't do anything yeah i'm really intrigued just to see what happens mm. um and you know because i've already done it on kickstarter i feel like i've got the opportunity to be able to throw it on indiegogo without worrying about the outcome um because also indiegogo is different in kickstarter in the sense that you don't have to raise your full money to get the money so right there's right. that aspect so there's there's a lot of experiment going on in the next six months um so maybe come back to me in december and i'll i'll let you know how they went but <laughs> that's fantastic but for me it's all about looking at Yes, Kickstarter is a great platform at the moment, but what is the next thing? How do we move forward? So, yeah, there's that.
0: And that's a a healthy attitude to have as well, you know. Um,
2: But no, that's great,
0: guys. Thank you. So I I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have, and I've been making notes. I've learned lots of things that (laughs) I'll be taking forward, both on the analytics side and on the uh, making sure I've got stuff lined up for releasing updates in the middle of the night um so that's been brilliant guys really really good and I'd, I'd just like to thank you for once again for giving up your evening to to talk to me and record this would you like to um we'll start with you aaron do you want to give our listeners an idea of where they can go and find out more about little heroes where they can buy your
2: products uh websites any social links things like that yeah sure um i'm just going to plug the one place today and that's the spark magazine so go to the sparkmag.co.uk Get a subscription, forty ninety nine, four issues a year. Go for it. Help us reach the next generation of comic readers.
0: And I'll just say, I've, I've subscribed to that as well. And Very there's fun. some brilliant indie creators in there. I mean, some of the some of the really really good independent you know comics community are a part of that magazine as well. So you won't be disappointed. It's, <laughs>
2: uh, it, just
0: even, um, as, even as an adult, you know, I'm forty odd, and even I enjoy it. It's good
2: fun. I was just going to quickly add to that. The funny part is that with the last Comic-Con we've done, we released issue one. So by the time we do another Comic-Con, there will be four issues. So at least our next stand will be quite full of new magazines no one has. So <laughs>
1: amazing.
0: amazing. And yourself, Steve, um, where can people find out more about Time Bomb and, and other projects that you're working on?
1: Well, the, the, probably the best best one is uh, place to start would be the uh, website, which is www.timebombcomics.com. Um, so um, that's updated regularly with uh, with latest news. You can sign up to get our monthly newsletter, but also it's got the online shop on there. So all our books are, are available through the online store, and all of them incl- it includes free postage in the UK. Um, apart from that, we've got presence on social media. So, you, so if you do a search for Time bomb Comics from, through um, Twitter and um, and um,
2: Facebook, uh, you'll find us popping up there. Excellent. I just want to say, I, I love your website, Steve. It's, it's lovely, isn't it? I was looking at yeah, it this morning
0: it. and it's beautiful. It's,
2: yeah.
0: it's it's really functional as well. It's aesthetically pleasing, but it, it works, which is so refreshing these days. You can find what you want really quickly, Steve. So that's, you know, I agree, Aaron, that's really good mate that's great to hear thanks welcome so you can find out more about me at art92.com and we're on instagram and twitter and facebook and we keep it all as art92 because as i say every week you know when you get to our age if you you're lucky if you remember to put your pants on the mind which social (laughs) media handle you've got for which platform um (laughs) if you are interested in talk about kickstarter and going having a look at our latest project we've got The Galaxy Grappling Alliance, which is a mixture of sci-fi and wrestling that's available um, as we record. There's about another just under two weeks left. So it's made its target, thankfully. So you're pretty safe if you do back. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you have, because I certainly have, then don't forget that you can check us out on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, Please subscribe so that you don't miss uh, this or any of the old episodes that we've got. And I hope you can join us again for the next episode as we continue our Art of series. So once again, I'd just like to thank both Aaron and Steve for giving up the time. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And remember that when it comes to funding, as Francis Bacon sort of said, money's like muck. It's no good unless you spread it around. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.